Hi everybody, I'm Stefan Koritar and welcome to the Tech Talk Show. This is the podcast where you can discover insights and valuable information about how entrepreneurs build their startup in the tech industry. A collection of open talks about technology and creativity, people, experiences and life around tech business ecosystems. Everything with the main goal to help you get inspired, get started, dream big and build amazing businesses. My guest today is Andrei Nadj. He is the head of European sales at Alphablock, from where he engages with collaborative, multidisciplinary innovation teams across various businesses and domains to socialize, prototype and deploy new intelligent distributed assets and services using Alphablock's general AI blockchain validated solutions. Andre had strategic roles in private, corporate and government businesses to enable platforms and services for payments, banking, telcos, smarter cities and central government by driving a culture of innovation, developing and delivering disruptive technology. He was building and supporting teams that developed, rapidly incubated and managed to scale digital platforms that delivered values in areas like digital transformation, process automation, cognitive computing, AI and ML, blockchain, IoT, and advanced data analytics. He says, as intelligence moves from arbitrary and erratic patterns of human discretionary knowledge building toward a more systematic and organic AI, there is a need for a new market mechanism to validate, distribute, and reward intelligent processes. Such an intelligent market is built on a systematic, scientific, replicable process that is objective, accountable, and can be validated and used by the community. Andrei Nadj has been responsible for managing key relationships with private and public enterprise accounts and most recently directly involved in customer engagements on IBM's cognitive initiatives. Enjoy the conversation and thank you for listening. Hi, Andre. Hi, Stefan. Um, I am 10 years old. How would you explain to me, as a 10-year-old, what is Alphablock? Very simple. You know, this is a great question because I actually got it from my son. When I, when I changed and I switched from IBM and I started to work for Alphablock, um, I had to explain him <laughs> what. What are we doing? What is that doing? <laughs> what, is, what is the new <laughs> thing that he's doing? And I simply told him that uh, by analyzing events that happened in the past and understanding how they were happening, we would be able to have a better understanding on how those events might happen into the future. Mm-hmm. The funny part is that he immediately realized two things and his feedback was the following one. Oh, Daddy, if this is happening, you should be very careful that what you know about somebody is not shared with anybody else unless that person wants it. And I told him, yes, you are totally correct. And the second remark, as a continuation, was, okay, but if this is going to happen, so you are 
going to protect that. More than this, you need to be able to understand that what you will discover might also show you bad situations. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. And I told him, if you know that something bad might happen, you have a better chance to avoid. tackle it, to yeah. avoid, to, to manage. Yeah. Right. Right. That, that having that understanding. So basically it's it's uh, helping helping businesses and helping Indian individuals answer their anticipation questions related to various uh, specific needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely we, we started with the financial domain mm-hmm. and uh, we are looking to extend it in, in other areas. Okay. Um, and when you say anticipations, I just need uh, slash, could you give me one use case where you apply this framework of anticipation in finance. Maybe what are the key stakeholders around there and how do you take data and what do you get out of it? Like maybe a couple of examples. Sure, sure. The, the research and the discovery and the solution building process was started by Mukul Pal and he was uh, acting in the financial markets. The financial markets anticipation problem is a very simple one. Everybody wants to understand how the companies will evolve into the future and to know, based on that, which are the best companies to invest in. Mm-hmm. The simple exercise is to understand how their price on the stock market will evolve. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the, the, the eternal quest on the financial market is to find a solution to anticipate the market's future evolution mm-hmm. in terms of companies in the market future evolution and understanding that to be able to make a selection on the companies you would like to invest in that are going to grow the fastest in that future that you are looking at. Yeah. The general approach as there are not too many possibilities to really do that uh, based on the known methodology and the known scientific framework was to look rather into a shorter future than a longer future. Mm-hmm. And here there are a lot of solutions that have been developed specifically for that. And Only for the short term? For a short term. And when I say short term, it's a very short term. So mm-hmm. it's, it's what is known as high frequency trading. Yeah. So the question that they try to answer is how the price of the stock will change in the next millisecond. Mm -hmm. Is it a good moment to buy or sell? And accumulating all these price differences, billions of them, even if they are, fractionally speaking, very small, Mm -hmm. the accumulation of those small numbers is generating a return. Mm -hmm. Still, that it's, uh, from from our perspective, it's rather a speculative type of approach. Mm where you use a technological capability or technological capabilities uh, to have an, to, to create an edge. Yeah. The real anticipation question for Mukul was to understand on a longer term how a company will evolve and to make it in an invest, investment perspective 
approach. Mm -hmm. So he was acting into this domain and he was uh, building solutions using the, the existing frameworks. Mm -hmm. The 2008-2009 crisis hit. Yeah. And that was for him a validation that the frameworks that we have are malfunctioning. Because if the entire industry is using such a framework and cyclically we are driven into a crisis where most of our Every occupation... 10 years? Yeah. Is Approximately. Yeah, yeah. It's a cycle. It's a cycle, yeah. We can, we can take a look at the history and then we can see it's uh, uh, repeating. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the, the framework that we have, it's incomplete or, or, or it needs some adjustments. Right? Yeah. He needs some improvement. And he started to dig deeper into the scientific uh, background and all the scientific foundations that have been used and have been bundled into the existing framework mm -hmm. to identify the missing pieces. He made a discovery or a series of discoveries that are um, very easy to understand in the sense of identifying missing links that were created by the fact that 200 years ago different scientists acting in different domains would not be able to communicate simply because they were enclosed in their specific domain of research. Yeah, uh, so he was looking for mathematical searching for gaps. Yes, and he was looking for gaps and, and he was doing a multi-domain research, so he was looking as, as the knowledge was consolidated around various groups of researchers, mathematicians were not talking to uh, the guys studying the physical phenomena. Mm -hmm. The statisticians either were not talking to the other groups, you know, philosophers were setting aside. So um, there were various ideas that were discovered by these different groups. But yeah. it was they never communicated not, between them. not a very good communication to, to put them together. Yeah. And uh, this is one part. And then when you start and do your research, if we understand that Pareto, Pareto's law mm -hmm. uh, applies to everything, includes Pareto's own discovery and research, he didn't have the extra 80% of time to complete the remaining 20% of his work because he didn't have a lifetime, yeah. a, a second lifetime yeah. <laughs> to extend and that research. Knew about it. And that applies to all of us. And, yeah. and getting back to your question and the use case, he identified the method mm -hmm. to measure trend change mm -hmm. and to anticipate trend change. And this is what we are doing understanding trend change in the price history of the companies on the stock market mm -hmm. we're able to uh, anticipate their future trend change mm -hmm. hence provide to the asset manager mm -hmm. uh, a framework based on which our selection helps him identify better the ideal structure of the portfolios according to their preferences which one is performing needs. better based yes. on Evolution, yes. Overall evolution, okay. And um, can you explain me now? I know by have uh, doing my my research that you have uh, stock market indices published 
on the New York stock market, right? Yes. Um, How is that? I've, I've seen that, you know, I've seen Mukuls and I've been following him and he's uh, publishing all these print screens with the difference between the S&P, S&P 500 and uh, our solution, your solution, right? Yes. How is that, uh, I don't know, accepted or is it challenging some paradigms in the overall investors and market? Uh, when he first made his discovery, mm-hmm. he was starting to showcase it and to present it to various potential clients to have it used. You need a mechanism to validate the fact that you are not counterfeiting the data that mm-hmm. you are presenting. And listing an index on a public stock exchange, it's a third party validation mechanism. Mm-hmm. We have a solution, and he had a solution that he wanted to allow everybody to be able to audit and to showcase the fact that some time ago, using that solution, he was able to do that selection that will only be validated into the future. Mm-hmm. Because the claim he makes or we make is that we can select today those companies in the f- list of the top 500 companies in the world mm-hmm. that will better perform into the future, they will grow faster than the average growth of the entire group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, listing this index was a method to validate publicly the capability of the framework. This is a simple and, and, and clear way to be able to uh, showcase this capability. Otherwise, bringing your laptop or providing some graphs from your servers can always be challenged. Mm-hmm. Not knowing when and if you would have been changing them after the initialization point. Mm-hmm. And having this listed is definitely helping us um, validate, validate, yeah. validate the capability. Yeah. And is not only helping us, it's helping our possible clients to validate it for themselves. And I, I presume that this solution, the only way to validate it, and I think you already mentioned it, is that you need time. This is the, right. the beauty of anticipation. Yeah. <laughs> time, time. Otherwise, it's, a must. it's just, just theories, right? If I would tell you that something will happen in one year, we can have all the debate we want or no debate during that year and only at that point once it happened or not we could basically have an objective debate yeah 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 therefore getting back to, to what we do uh, time is our best friend after it has passed <laughs> very well put yeah very well put um, Still today, you know, just to make a, a small comment on that, we don't give ourselves time anymore. Living in a, an environment where we are indirectly searching for instant gratification, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an unusual perspective to be uh, happy to allocate the time you need and the longer time, yeah. I mean, to get to a validation of your 
today work. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think there's a huge um, input and influence from the technology, right, that we have right now in our ecosystem and world because everything is very fast-paced and somehow it's, you know, you know, consciousness has a much higher speed in terms of how reality moves at what reality, uh, what pace reality moves. So, um, it, yeah, I agree. It changes perspective around how time is spent. And uh, in the same time, I think it makes you uh, realize that as human beings, maybe it's not the best way to spend time in a very fast-paced way, right? Our bodies right. don't don't have that capability to move so fast. But um, this would be a, a separate topic. <laughs> um, so you fundraised. Yes. Um, this is something that we uh, already talked about in the past. Um, how was the post-fundraising process? How did you start it? changing the structure of the business in terms of you started to set it up globally how did you as a team i mean you started organizing that part basically once mukul made a discovery in 2009-2010 as i mentioned he started to work with potential clients he found the first client in 2012 mm-hmm. and basically he started to build a framework a software framework to integrate his scientific <laughs> capabilities and to be able to consume the data sets in this case the history of the prices of the companies listed on the stock markets to be able to put his solution to work mm-hmm. that was basically a real time client validation of the solution mm-hmm. with a live client that allowed him to refine and to really consolidate the framework this was uh, the framework was built between 2012 and 2016 there were already three three clients at that point and when we've met uh, the first thing that i naturally uh, started to do was to try to find a way to interact with the company i was working mm-hmm. with at that time ibm mm-hmm. and introduce him to the the appropriate uh, areas because it's a huge company mm-hmm. uh, where we could validate and identify potential use cases to market it mm-hmm. to use it both in the financial domain but also in any other domains yeah and after that interaction we realized that uh, it was not necessarily the best approach to take mm-hmm. uh, because of the huge difference in size between the two entities and uh, physical distance from here to their headquarters, which is in New York, that it's not uh, necessarily a help. Yeah. And uh, the decision was to uh, address the possibility to identify investors, venture capital yeah. and, and other possible investors, to start building the business further. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, what we did was to start looking for uh, these potential investors in Canada because the market was there, the clients were there and as the innovation sits in the general AI domain Mm -hmm. we had to be able to have a dialogue with relevant VCs that would have an understanding on our capabilities and really put a value on that yeah. And, and help us 
started growing. And this was happening uh, beginning of 2018. We were lucky to meet uh, one of the best VCs acting in this space in Montreal, yeah. Real Ventures. Yeah. They were definitely intrigued to see us uh, popping out out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. They've met us five days in a row, uh, trying discussions, to, like discussions, and uh, uh, trying to understand as much as they could both the technical, technological, scientific capabilities and differentiators. Mm -hmm. And uh, after three more months of due diligence. Oh wow! Three months after. Three months after. Okay, that's. Uh, we had the first term sheet signed. Mm -hmm. Due diligence continued because you asked us uh, what what was the the change that we had to do uh, when you go and you meet an investor. The investor wants your business to sit in their jurisdiction. So they were. Is it something that usually happens? Happens. Happens. Mm -hmm. Is the investment. Uh, comes with these requirements because you want to have a, a safe environment and to feel comfortable that the legal framework a is some a some form of control of your investments I guess to, to or safety have, have the safety of a legal framework that gives you the comfort to take the risk to give somebody the money exactly for an idea to empower them to take it further. Exactly. Listening to what you're saying, it just brings me back to an idea, a topic that we have discussed with um, some of the lawyers from, from, from Cluj, and they told me that um, venture capital, or doesn't matter if it's venture capital or not, investors will not deploy effort and time and energy to learn a new legal framework so that they invest in because of uncertainty, poor regulations, uh, gray areas, let's put it like that. Um, that's why, coming to what you're saying, that's why they choose to bring or change the headquarters of the startups they decide to invest in into where they are based, mm -hmm. which kind of makes sense and it's, it's logical. So yeah, I, I can see the, re the relation be between that. Yeah. And uh, as the new company was incorporated in Toronto, Alpha Block. Um, we had to make all the changes in, in, as they required and, mm -hmm. uh, and create a, a group and basically make the mother company <laughs> be part of the newest created company simply because it was created in the, in the jurisdiction that they were uh, happy with yeah. in Canada. Yeah. And how did you how did you go about um, splitting your teams? So the engineering team and marketing or research and everything remained in Romania. And yes. Okay. And Mukul and uh, his wife Florina, mm -hmm. who's the technical lead, uh, they were in Canada, mm -hmm. which was another very relevant thing for the investor because they were close to and they were already located in the same jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. So the access both ways was very simple and uh, we continue to be commercially present in the North American side with our presence in Toronto. Mm -hmm. We 
have added to the team uh, two new colleagues acting in, in the commercial space, helping us uh, build relationship with uh, with clients mm-hmm. that that were locals mm-hmm. and uh, uh, with the local market knowledge, with uh, you know their personal networks, personal yeah. and professional networks. Yeah, and uh, we we kept all the development in Romania for very objective reasons, very good capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good access to human resources uh, to be able to grow the team mm-hmm. and uh, also keeping the keeping the historical line keeping the historical line on the natural evolution of, of the technology company. of the company okay um, I'm gonna change tracks a bit but also building on what you said so just moving away a bit from from alpha block what do you think about um, the local landscape in terms of engineering knowledge? over here in, let's say, Eastern Europe, Romania. Now the analysts say that Europe has lost the battle in terms of deep tech technologies and human resources like AI, um, IoT, robotics and so on. What do you think, what's your perspective on that in terms of what we have over here in the local market? The clusters for technology are definitely consolidated in North America mm-hmm. and recently they are being consolidated in, in Asia. Mm-hmm. Europe was comfortable to consume the technologies that were generated in those spaces and historically speaking it was also the openness for innovation and the need for innovation in a much more competitive space that was North America. Once you have innovation being created you create markets around it and the markets are attracting the brains and you want to be part of that frontline interaction and there was natural flow of brain power towards those areas to be in the middle of the ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Still, the cluster is consuming the innovations, is not necessarily generating the innovation because you have no time to create as you are constantly consuming, consuming what was already created. Oh wow, that's a very nice perspective. And here comes the opportunity that Mukul had sitting outside of a cluster not having a market to consume him because after the crisis as there was almost no market before even that vanished yeah he had the time the space the silence the peace of mind Mm -hmm. to be able to look from a distance at how to improve and how to innovate on the specific areas that he was interested in exactly and uh, having that perspective yes europe is behind it's i would say third yeah today uh, if you put uh, usa north america China, and, and asia i don't want to yeah. yeah i don't want to yeah s- asia uh, yeah i would rather say continents because it's uh, it's a yeah. distribution on because even even in uh, china is it's important because of its size but still japan and uh, south korea and they are also powerful technology actors yeah. uh, and uh, it's, it's more of a region influence than a, than a specific country. Of course it was uh, driven by uh, United States and uh, looking into the future the consolidation on these clusters is also a capital consolidation and uh, the most difficult part for Europe 
being left behind was that there was no framework for innovation to be financed. And the brains had to go where the capital availability for innovation was. And we go back in the same loop. And uh, nowadays, uh, understanding that this is a very strong missing point, Europe is trying to complement that by building various programs. You can see exactly their programs, it's tackling exactly this. To try to keep the innovation here and assist it with the needed resources, which are mostly around capital. Yeah. And we might have a better chance from now on to start changing the trends. We can see, uh, you're, you're right, and um, listening to you, I can see also from the news that I've been reading that, and also things that are happening in the ecosystem, that Europe is deploying capital in all these um, European Regional Development Fund-backed uh, venture capital funds, right? Like uh, we have in Romania, Gapminder, um, early bird and you know other other that are also in Bulgaria, which is which is nice and it's good, right? But we need more, definitely we need more. It's a start. Yeah, they have created this uh, European Investment Fund. It's a centralized structure that is exactly. trying to uh, distribute towards the various entities in, in various countries uh, this type of uh, funding. There was another. There was another part that contributed to this. If you remember, there were there were funding programs for research. Yeah. Still, that research was not applied. There was a lot of funding that Europe distributed for theoretical research, but not with a practical scope. Application, yeah. Application. Yeah. While the American practical approach solved me a problem. Exactly. Exactly. First in a better, more efficient, smarter way, yeah. was helping them to monetize. Right. And that investment made sense. And that's, that's, that's a very weird, like, such a weird thing to become aware of. Like, it's so easy to understand and like for analysts and people that are up and running markets like, you know, or continents like Europe, it's really easy to see and to identify what the methodology and frameworks like our colleagues from North America are using. Why wouldn't you go with, um, let's say, um, with the full framework, right? Not only with the piece, right? Because also um, at our venture development studio, we this is the thing that we identified that the market in Europe, specifically in Eastern Europe, doesn't have go-to-market departments. It could be companies, it could be whatever, right? But it doesn't have go-to-market departments. Where is exactly this? You have research projects run by the universities, by public institutions that do research and development, right? Or the companies itself that get European funds and they don't apply them to real life scenarios and validate them or invalidate them, pivot and move towards something that is commercially viable and, you know, validated and turns into a business, right? So if you think about it, it's just European Union is maybe just there's a slight and also a small and big possibility that they're losing money, right? In a way. They were not able to make more out of that 
crucial yeah, effort. Exactly. It, exactly. It, it, that's why it became a, a, an opportunity lost. Mm-hmm. It was we were losing opportunities, not identifying clear use cases where all those discoveries would help us be more efficient. Yeah. Wherever or whatever domain we would have been yeah. using them for, yeah. and uh, having that uh, clearly understood some years ago. The European Union started to change the scope of the financing programs and they were obliging all the funding for research to be uh, allocated only if there was uh, an economical reason behind that research to be done with the clear outcome once some better answers could have been found. Yeah. And uh, this is how they got to uh, building all these new funding programs where they are pushing for a creation of the ecosystems where the startups uh, can interact and build innovation, create yeah. innovation. Yeah, I agree. Still we are 10 years after. Yeah. I think I think Europe has to deploy even more capital into it. But we'll see. I'm, I'm definitely positive um, around their plans of what they want to do. Um, hopefully they're going to ex- execute in the right way now and build and not build but keep innovation here yes. that's the only thing that they have to do right um, still besides investing and creating the ecosystem you need also and Europe needs also to create demand exactly and the very important part exactly because the opportunity in the USA was for everybody that had a good idea that yeah. all of a sudden you had the full access to all the 52 states that would, without any hesitation, consume your innovation, whether it was, was coming from East or West Coast. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you, when you say this, I've read an, um, a news piece that an uh, Asian, well-established company came to Europe under the assumption that Europe is a digital Sing- single, single market, market, right? Everything that was PR'd and communicated that it is, right? And they came to Europe with the thought of, okay, we're going to expand to Europe. And they came and um, hit the wall in terms of extremely fragmented, not easy to uh, penetrate the market. And they sued Europe for lying that they are a single market. And they got, they won. So, you know, because they had the proof. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, exactly. They were able, facing all these difficulties, I think, yeah, they exactly. couldn't really identify. Exactly. Um, okay, what do you think startups from Romania, give me three things that startups should and they could do for going outside of borders, like could be anything, could be biases that they have, doesn't matter from which size, three things that they could do to go validate themselves outside. Here we have to separate things mm-hmm. into two categories because they are global solutions and local specific solutions. Mm-hmm. When you address a global solution, it's much easier to go outside. Today, the access to the networks, various networks, it's pretty open. There are a lot of events, conferences, and uh, reaching out to investors, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And for that part, I think it's, it's obvious, and there are various strategies that you can apply. Um, still, first, it's good, important to validate your solution. So to be able to showcase uh, capability, as we spoke before about our validation by listing the index. Yeah. 
So you need to have a proof of that capability um, that could be measured until you are able to build the network and awareness and all the, all the other layers, you need to have a, a very solid solution, mm-hmm. validated. The second thing is to identify clients and partners as another layer of validation first mm-hmm. and have them indirectly and directly promote you further. Like a channel, like, channel like a channel distribution or, or um, business aggregators mm-hmm. um, that, that will help you understand the ecosystems, position correctly your business, uh, identify competition, uh, and so on and so forth. The third is, I think, to identify people that you could work with in those geographies because they understand the mentalities, they understand mm-hmm. the, the markets, and uh, um, it's a faster way to adjust your business, no matter how global it is, to the specific needs yeah. of those new territories. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Okay. So I think I think you you gave me four because um, the first thing that you touched on is very important from a self awareness perspective to really assess are you global or are you local, right? Yes. I think that's a very that's a very important thing. It's a prerequisite. Yeah, it's a prerequisite. And, and this is this is happening. I I didn't necessarily put it in the list because this is happening when you basically create your idea and when you're defining your business model and target audience Mm -hmm. and uh, definitely everybody aspires to a global solution but there are many specific local needs that are unsolved unsolved and cannot be addressed with a a global solution because of the specificities that that are... Yeah, I agree, I agree. Andre. I know that you have been an IBM guy. Um, how is now your life and what you're doing now and building with Alphablock? How is different what, from what you did with IBM versus can we can we say that it's a startup? Yes. Entrepreneurial yes. drive, right? right? So how 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 do you find yourself now in, in this new position? You know, I started as a as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. In 1999-2000, in Romania, creating a web portal and understanding pretty fast that you need critical infrastructure layers to be able to build a business, mm-hmm. mostly a technology business where you need connectivity, internet access, payment systems, if we speak about uh, online e-commerce, um, delivery systems, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And um, afterwards, understanding that at that time Romania was not equipped with those capabilities, uh, I went further on and I was building custom software solutions uh, for a couple of years and then I was recruited by various big organizations to help them build their businesses or grow their businesses in Romania. The funny part is that the first one that uh, hired me, so I switched from an entrepreneur to an employee, they told me a very simple thing and that stayed and stays with me forever. They told me, you should take decisions for everything that happens with our business 
considering that this would have been your own company. Mm-hmm. If you would do or not things, just measure them as you would have done them for yourself. Yeah. So basically they sealed in me the entrepreneurial perception mm-hmm. and somehow in all the organizations I was working, I kept that spirit and I was an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, and we can discuss the terminology yeah. uh, in, in those organizations because I was always attracted by new technologies that's always discovery, that's always innovation because uh, implementing these new technologies on new markets it's a startup like uh, activity and uh, getting out of those big companies back into a, a startup was kind of a close the loop yeah, for yeah. me for me going to these big companies was was a very good opportunity to learn it was applied learning it was really learning on the job understanding both the technology but also the needs and how those technologies are solving the needs my my constant quest was to do things that are helping us in in a way or another and as i mentioned that those uh, infrastructure layers were missing it, it's interesting that uh, my life brought me into companies that were basically empowering with those type of infrastructure. Yeah. So I've been into payment solution companies, then communications companies, then technology companies. Uh, and now I, I really feel that uh, that journey, it's, it's kind of uh, completing or being completed with, with what I, I do now with Alphabet. I think um, from, from what, um, what you're saying is it it's that um, does it help you better navigate and understand also I mean that part of where you were so you know how to tackle better that side now that you're on the other side right so you understand I think better mindsets what drives them the processes and everything so exactly you know where to step in exactly the insider perspective is always very beneficial yeah. and it's beneficial at many levels one of the most important thing is when you engage into a dialogue with them as they know that you know yeah and there is no more need to play games exactly or you know there is always a direct conversation and knowing both visible and invisible things uh, understanding internal policies uh, restrictions limitations but also areas that are opportunities but invisible from outside, exactly. it's easier to pinpoint to those and to, to be able to... Plus, it's the, also the, the, the comfort of the former personal network interaction. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, uh, not only in those organizations, but also those organizations working with other organizations. Uh, we had, or I had a kind of an insider perspective also in... in in the client side, because when you yeah. deliver core technology, you need to know almost everything about them to be able to. It's like, like exactly. you go seeing a doctor, you get naked <laughs> if you want to have a proper you know, examination. Examination. Exactly. So, yeah. so uh, this is definitely a very helpful thing um, in terms of um, identifying real opportunities and and uh, uh, really cutting off um, the extras. Yeah. 
I can I can relate to that because um, um, and, and maybe just in a small amount of uh, from in, in comparison with your professional experience and background but I can relate to that because um, being in different enterprise slash corporate structures um, and also being on the startups side I can now understand and see um, things like that corporates and enterprises have their own speed right and their own way of reacting and time of reaction right and the thing that are is really a very paradoxical situation because the thing they're looking for is speed and innovation but when it comes from an, you're, you're in a position of speed and innovation and you come to corporates you have to adapt to their way of communicating right if there's no a middle middle guy that middleman that does the, the the management of this so um, you know they accumulate um, mass they yeah. get bigger and they become less and less flexible yeah the, the thing that I the, the thing that I, I wanted to mention is that um, I believe startup founders that want to go and partner with the corporate and you can correct me if I'm wrong um, they should be aware of the different speed different speed that exactly. they are facing exactly mm-hmm. and so set their expectations right otherwise they will fall into this loop of frustrations and expecting things to move at the speed that the startup speed the startup moves right the, that that speed has it's not going to happen so fast indeed, only if indeed, you have a middleman indeed, indeed yeah indeed and um, it's setting the correct expectations as right. you said uh, we are moving in different at different speeds, and they are moving at different speeds, and uh, that could be a killer both both for both the, sides. Yes, and a very negative experience for both sides. Yes, right? yes. Uh, so it's very yeah, it's very important to be mindful about it and to. Similarly, I was also inside the government business, and it's another slow mover. So yeah. if you, whenever you build solutions for them, you should have a even a a different time expectation than yeah. dealing with uh, companies so it's it's uh, it's very important to understand um, how the ones you are interacting with are moving inside operating modus operating, operandi yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah yeah getting a backpack of patience andre one more one more question is what are the future plans for alphabook we were we were uh, definitely looking to stabilize the business, so to add clients on on the existing domain, on the financial domain. Uh, we have found several opportunities in the region here in Europe, and also we are working on some due diligence with North American clients. Um, we are also extending our capabilities and building new products. So. Using the same framework, we are just diversifying the product range that we are able to address. Mm-hmm. And um, this is one side related to the financial domain, so consolidating that part, but also building MVPs and identifying use cases for other domains, mm-hmm. like agriculture, energy, and uh, environment, uh, where the impact is and the need for anticipation it's needed equally equally, yeah. <laughs> equally big so um, yes stabilize 
the financial and uh, start expanding to, expand to into other domains. Okay, awesome. Andre, thank you very much for stopping by and having the discussion. Always, always a pleasure. Uh, I know we have uh, very fruitful conversations. Um, looking forward to huge uh, announcements from uh, AlphaBlock and uh, news about what they're gonna, what you're gonna do and build. <laughs> I'm more, I'm more a fan of no news, good news, in the sense of uh, huge announcements can be both sides. So true, <laughs> true, so true, true. I think it's a time for a bit more silence and more work. Mm-hmm. for this year and more focus, uh, more focus and uh, to let the results speak for ourselves yeah uh, because as i said before uh, we need to give time exactly and uh, hopefully hopefully that time uh, will bring a, a positive validation yeah <laughs> to keep it in a positive yes, way in anything. a positive way yes thank you for thank you uh, thank you for inviting us here and looking forward to continuing the dialogue Thank you. Likewise. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, share and review our podcast because the voice of our community keeps us going forward. Find more episodes and discover different perspectives about tech and business and in our daily life. Thank you.